Growing up, I thought my dream was to get married to my soulmate and have children together. Well, I tried going that route and it didn't work out very well for me. Now, here I am at 38, single and ready to mingle, but not in the typical way. I have a three and a half year old son named Lincoln that I really wanna give a sibling to this year. So I'm done waiting for a man to get his act together. And I'm gonna expand my family, but this time on my own terms without the man. This podcast is for all the single moms by choice out there that are confident with being single and wanna feel empowered to go the non-traditional route to create the family of your dreams. Hey mamas. So to be fully transparent, I feel like crap right now. I tested positive for COVID. I'm sure I got it in St. Bart's or on the plane. And all I want to do is go to bed right now. But I have calls to do today. And I'm afraid if I could take a nap that I'm not going to wake up. So I was like, I'm just going to record a little podcast episode to keep me awake. And I feel like this is going to also be what it kind of feels like either in the first trimester of pregnancy. Of You know, you just... You're so tired, you just want to be in bed all the time. And and then also, like, the first three months postpartum, when your baby's feeding around the clock. So I'm like, maybe I should just get used to learning how to operate on half a brain and just get shit done anyways. (laughs) You know, it's so hard. It's like once you've been through all of that, like the newborn stage and toddler stage, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to have to go through all that again. I am really loving the preschool stage with Lincoln right now. Like, it's solid. Like, I feel like we're finally at a good spot. But, you know, you got to go through the newborn and toddler stage to get to the preschool stage. So it's just, it is what it is. Okay, so I had my first um, appointment on Monday I don't know what you call it, a, um, I don't know, I just had a thing where they, I had to take Advil ahead of time, because they said there would be some cramping, and then the doctor filled my uterus with saline to check to see if there was any fibroids or polyps in there that, because that will definitely cause infertility, and unfortunately, they did find a polyp, which Actually, it's not really unfortunate because I kind of, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I had a feeling that I had something going on in there because my periods have been so heavy after I had Lincoln for like a year straight, just bleeding for seven days, like every two hours having to empty out my cup, lots of clots, like that's just not normal. So I'm grateful that they're going to remove the polyp um, so that, you know, I can, I mean, coming up here pretty soon, I'm not going to have periods anymore whenever I get pregnant, but um, just knowing now that's what's going on. And and honestly, I wish I would have done something sooner. I just kind of was like telling myself, oh, well, this is normal and your periods are supposed to be heavier after you have a child because I read that somewhere. But I could like my body was trying to tell me that something was wrong and I wish I would have listened and gotten this taken care of sooner. 
but um, they are going to be able to do it. I think it's called a hysteroscopy. And so I'm scheduled at the end of the month for them to go in and do this procedure. It's going to be about a 15-minute procedure. They do have to put me to sleep. And they're just going to, yeah, get that get that polyp out of there. So that'll be good. And then I have another procedure coming up next week where they are going to, this one's a little bit more painful apparently, and they're going to be looking at my fallopian tubes to make sure that my fallopian tubes are open. Um, Because if both are closed, obviously that would cause infertility. And if one is closed, then you can only get pregnant every other month. So there's just so many things, so many things that I had no idea about. I am just so fascinated and learning so much through this process. That's why I want to share it with all of you on the podcast. And then I got a bunch of labs drawn on Monday as well. Um, They were checking for something called CMV, cytomegalovirus. So I ended up being negative for that, but it's apparently... If you're positive for that, like it affects this type of sperm that you pick and you want to make sure that both people, you know, you and the sperm donor aren't positive because that can cause a lot of different types of birth defects and health conditions in the baby. So I was grateful to see that that was negative. I mean, they drew so many vials. I mean, there was probably like 15 or 20 vials. It was crazy. I've never had, I've gotten lots of blood draws, but I've never had that many vials taken before. (laughs) So I haven't gotten all the the results back, but they're checking things like just your normal blood count. Um, I'm curious to see what my thyroid level is at. Um, I also had to do a urine sample and they're testing for STIs, sexually transmitted infections. So I saw that all came back negative, which is good. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, and then I signed up for the genetic, um, carrier screening as well. Cause I want to make sure that I don't have, that I'm not a carrier of any recessive genetic traits that I could pass down to my child, especially with me being 50% Jewish. There are two types of genetic, um, diseases that you can pass down if you and the sperm donor, um, you know, are both carriers of that. So, and I already figured out that my brother died from cystic fibrosis. And so I got tested for that because there's always, if, if both you and the sperm donor are carriers for that, there's always a 25% chance that, uh, that can be passed down. And so I think it's really interesting that my mom you know, when she had my brother, they used sperm donation as well back in the 80s. And apparently they didn't really do any of the testing or anything that they do today. She said that the literally like the doctor was like, hey, come on down to the office. We have a we have a sperm donor. And then she said she was like waiting in the room to get inseminated while the sperm donor was like jacking off in the room next to her and just waiting for the sperm cup. And like, that's it. That's all they did. They didn't do like any type of labs or any type of testing or, you know, <laughs> a lot has changed since the 80s. 
Um, so that's why my mom really wants to like be on this journey with me and learn more about this to just to see from her perspective too what everything's changed. But I, I thought that was crazy that she told me that, that they literally like called her. And I mean, I guess they would have had to make sure maybe she was ovulating too. I don't know. I feel like maybe there was more details of that story that was missed. But the way she made it sound was that they just called her. She went down to the doctor's office. The guy gave his sperm, um, you know, his sperm deposit, and, and they put it inside her that day. And that's it. Kind of crazy, right? <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I had my first, oh, preconception procedure. That was the word I was looking for earlier. So I've got that out of the way. I now know that I have a polyp. I have that scheduled. I got all my labs drawn. Now I got to get through this, you know, looking at the fallopian tube. So they said I have to take 800 milligrams of Advil because that one's a bit more painful because I have to really get up in there. So I'm not looking forward to that. That's on the 13th. So I think that's on a Monday. And uh, yeah, we're moving right along. And then I think the next step is once I get all my labs back, uh, I'm going to start reaching out to a couple sperm banks and do some consults and make my choice to see which sperm bank I'm going to use. And then obviously then I'm going to have to pick out a sperm donor. And that part feels like just, I don't know, it just feels like a lot right now. Like how do I even begin to pick out something like that like how do I choose that (sighs) you know like it just feels like a really daunting big and overwhelming decision right now so yeah still trying to wrap my mind around that but um like I said I'll definitely do a whole entire episode on the sperm bank and the sperm donation process because that feels like that's a whole nother milestone in itself but um, yeah, that's that's what's been going on with my fertility journey. And like I said, now I just got to get my, my health back, back in order, because um, I just feel like absolute crap right now. So, and I'm watching my son all this week since I was gone all last week and he was with his dad. So that's really, that's a challenge is feeling sick and taking care of your kids at the same time. And it's just, you know, it's making me wonder like how when I'm pregnant and I'm feeling like crap the first three months, how am I going to like do that? How am I going to be there and take care of my son or, or even the first three months of postpartum? Man, it's just, I just have a lot of fears and worries coming up, which I think is normal. But, you know, I got through it with my son then I guess you just figure out how to do it again. But now it's, you know, it's not one baby, one kid. There's two now. There's going to be two kids in my life, which is like, wow. (laughs) All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Um, Short and sweet. Uh, Thanks so much for following along and being a part of this journey with me. Um, I did officially get this up on Apple Podcasts, so I'm hoping that more people will find this podcast, and I started sharing it on Facebook as well, and 
Um, if you are thinking about going through this process yourself or um, you're just fascinated to hear how it works, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm so grateful you're on this journey with me. So, all right, I'll see you in the next episode.